everyone, and welcome back to another episode of We're Watching Star Trek, the original series. As always, I am your host, Brandon, and here again with Paul. Yo, yo, what's up, people? Uh, here again, ready to get it. Uh, let's go. It's going to be a great episode. Uh, it's going to be a great time. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, I appreciate all you guys, all the downloads, all the listens and everything. We just uh, really enjoy you. So thank you for being on the journey with us, and thank you for being a part of the crew. So let's get it. And Dan. When the hell did I get here? <laughs> <laughs> It's a, a little late today, actually, both of you guys. Yeah, usually hey, I'm the one that's running behind. Yeah, for real. You guys are usually here for like 10 minutes without me, but it was just me today. Special occasion. Yeah, I'm slow. Yeah. As always, our Twitter is at WWST underscore podcast. And uh, one of our listeners actually let us know on Twitter over the past week. Uh, they pointed out that the last episode with uh, Spock's dad uh-huh. and all that, uh, Spock's dad was played by the same actor that played the Romulan commander in season one. So yeah, yeah, I, I thought I, that I recognized that guy. Yeah, I didn't even recognize it. I, I did see the I did see the note, but I didn't uh didn't recognize it at all. So he, he's a double agent. Yeah, <laughs> is, is he the one that got crushed by the the rock? Like the the not the rock. It was a a piece of their ship that looked like a rock. Was yeah. he the one that got crushed by that? The Romulan commander was right. Yeah, I think uh, so. Can't I know now. the uh, I know this guy's a really or, uh, kind of a, a big actor for the time. So. Okay, so yeah. Anyway, yeah. There's that. So I, I just I thought I recognized the guy, and it turns out I did just from earlier. Oh, Star Trek. Yeah. oh cool. Um, also, I'm really bad at checking our our Twitter. Like, I don't have any social media, so the only thing that I have is our podcast Twitter. And like uh, lately, people have been you know mentioning us and stuff, and I see it like three days later, and it's not on purpose. I'm just really fucking bad at checking Twitter. But I also have it set to give notifications to my phone, and I don't get them. So, like, every three or four days, I'll jump on there, and somebody said something, like, two days ago, and I feel like an asshole, because I'm like, yeah, come interact with us on Twitter, and then I just, (laughs) like, like, you know, I ignore everything, not on purpose, like, I just accidentally ignore everything, so. I don't even, I don't think I have Twitter, I don't think, not thinking about it. I know, I need to get one since we're doing this now. I said, I'll I'll just sign up for it today, but after we get out of here, I'll get one, but. The podcast one is literally the only social media that I have, like, I'm I'm off of everything, so, it's it's just, I forget about it. He's lame, you know, he's a weirdo. Yeah. And I'm not paying for no fucking blue check mark either. So there's that. <laughs> uh, but we are watching uh, Star Trek the original series, as I had said in the opening, almost in the same tone. And uh, we're on season two, episode 11, Friday's Child. And the original air date for this was somewhere around December 1st, 1967, which is, I think the last one was like November 11th. So they took a bit of a break. They they were gone for like almost a month before they aired this. Was Friday's Child actually on a Friday when it first aired? Um, you know, that's a good question. I don't know. I do know it's some kind of famous uh, uh quote, but it's I think the quote is like I should wrote it down. I'm gonna do some research while we're sitting here talking. That way I can give you uh the reason why it's Friday's child. It's some kind of quote, but it's not Friday's child, it's like Wednesday's child. It's a different term and it changed the Friday's child for the show. I I didn't write the reason when, when right now. I'm about to write the, the show, quote. Paul. No, I know just, that uh, they they did not even say like Friday's Child at all. Uh, no. Friday's Child. Oh my God! It, December first was a Friday. Oh, oh. in 1967. Okay. Okay. Th- this episode wow, right. is not her protest then. No. Um. Yeah. So we might actually uh, get started with the episode here. I guess. Uh, the Enterprise doing some flying towards uh, an Earth-like looking planet. And uh, we got a briefing room situation here with uh, Kirk and Spock and McCoy and Uhura and Scotty and for some reason Chekhov. And uh, McCoy is doing some explaining about the place where they're going, which is inhabited by the Capellans, 
which are extremely fast and strong, and they are often over seven feet tall. And uh, they did get some tall ass people for this. I saw. Yeah, I was wondering how um, they were going to do that. Yeah. Uh, make them look taller notice, than uh, uh, Kirk and all of them. And that yeah. scene, that was the whole crew. And that scene, except for Sulu. No, That's Sulu. the Sulu's on the screen. Oh, you're right. He did. Okay. Yep. You're right. I even have it here later, obviously, but I didn't think about him like not being physically there. But yeah, we yeah. actually have the whole main crew there. Yes. Yeah. I was like, oh, look, it's the whole crew, and I was like, oh, and even so, yeah, then uh, they don't know everything together. So yeah, I thought it was the whole thought, crew and Chekhov. Yeah, first time I've ever seen that before. So, <laughs> and your your best your best person, see? Yeah. Um, so yeah, McCoy just says that uh, the Capellans are highly dangerous, and uh, he explains that their weapon, which is called the Kligat, is a uh, Kligat is almost as effective as a phaser up to a hundred yards. And uh, then they have like this weird little three sided looking TV thing in the middle of the table, and uh, that's where uh, McCoy just shows a video of like three Capellans, and they have this little throwing weapon and one of them throws it and, and cuts a very small tree in half. Like, look how <laughs> cool that was. Very impressive, yeah. <laughs> it was cool, though. He th- It was a penny. So he was like, he threw a penny and not the tree yeah. down. He was like, oh, okay. He's that strong. Well, like, the accuracy is impressive, but, like, that, that was just like a, 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 a sapling <laughs> tree. Like, it was no red oak. <laughs> oh, I no. see. We need to have a bigger tree so we can show that big strength, huh? Yeah. It was, it was just like a stick, basically. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> You know, good for him for being accurate, but still. Yeah. Also, that thing wasn't even sharp, so I don't know how the hell he, he snapped that in half. He was so dull. It was so it's so strong, it's dull. It doesn't matter. He cracks everything. Yeah. Um. So Uhura announces that uh, they, she has a call from the bridge, and Sulu pops up on the screen, so they're using their, uh, their video chat uh, thing again. And he tells Kirk that uh, they're in orbit now, and that he has pinpointed an encampment below, so Kirk just has him ready to transport a room. And... Uh, McCoy just keeps talking about. Uh, he explains he was stationed on the planet for three months, and which I don't know when, because obviously that didn't happen at any point when we were watching this. He wasn't gone for three months, but uh, he explains that the Capellans don't believe in first aid or hospitals because they believe that only the strong should survive. So I don't know why the hell they sent a doctor to a, a planet that doesn't believe in healthcare. It, but it, whatever. It, it is a <laughs> apocalypse from the X Men running this planet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I um some solid outfits. Uh, one thing about the actors, you guys should know they they use the elevated shoes. They aren't tall. I was wondering about that. A lot yeah, of them, figured. yeah. A lot of them use elevated shoes, and their uh, headgear was designed to uh, make them look even taller. That's why they got the uh, the the frill up up top. <laughs> like all they had, yeah, all the gear sense. has a little extra thing on top of it to make them look even taller. So uh, in my research, I saw those things. I figured I mentioned those things. You know, they could have probably just used, like, NBA players or something for the time, right? <laughs> they they could like now. Have, if, they, if they made them now. It's not like they, they had could, to act. They just had to stand around. Yeah, but I'm curious. Like, I bet it's because, like, in Hollywood at the time, it's harder to find somebody tall that act. That, that was an actor. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. I, I assume there was a lot more or less actors out there than now. They could probably just get a whole bunch of people six foot six to do this really easy. You know? Yeah. Actors or, or NBA players or anything. You have Shaq as one of these guys. I think Shaq could be the leader. Am my new oh, Star God. Trek episode? have to talk. Yeah. No, he ain't got to talk. <laughs> He's grounded. Only point. strong survive. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get over it now. I can't, I can't, I can't get on my head and imagine Shaq being in the show now. That's a leader. <laughs> talking like that, bro. It's in my head now. <laughs> just, just, just call it Star, Star Shaq. Star I Shaq. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so they uh, they discuss how to approach the Capellans for a mining treaty without making it look like a show of force. 
And uh, Kirk leaves Scotty in command, and he reminds him that the Klingons have been sighted in the sector, and there's absolutely no way that that will come into play later. It's got to be just a one-off comment, and it won't mean anything for this entire episode, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, that would be funny <laughs> if they actually did that. They just threw out a name like, oh, they're in the sector, and you don't hear anything about it the rest of the episode. <laughs> just, just nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> Turns out they were not in the sector. No problem. Uh, so we go a little bit later, we're on the planet, and Kirk and McCoy and Spock and a security member beam down to the planet, and my note says, well, we know who's dying first. As soon as and, the red uh, shirt landed, I'm like, yep, he's, he's going to be gone. Guys. We've been yeah. through this, um, how many seasons, uh, episodes so far? 30-something episodes? A lot of episodes. Yeah. And um, the security has had maybe two moments of greatness that we've seen. We saw the one guy fight the alien guy in the hallway that one time, and never, never, never seen him ever again. You know, and then the one yep. time they checked the corner when the back guys around the corner and actually caught them. Besides those like two moments we have, security's been really bad for this whole entire show. So we need to figure out security bad. And we didn't see those two again because they did so well they got promoted <laughs> off the ship. <laughs> oh, so they're oh, like pulling security somewhere oh, else. You, you lasted longer there than a week. You got a promotion. <laughs> you're, you're it. Hey, did you, they tried to body splash that robot that episode. The robot guy, he jumped all the top rope and tried to, and tried to pop, body, body splash him. You know what? That was fair, though. That was Bro, fair. That was no, a good one. It, it stuck in my head forever. He said, woo. And he got tossed <laughs> like it was nothing. Like, you should have body splash him, man. He's security. Shoot him. God. Don't get me started, guys. Yeah, my anytime bad. My we bad have, like, security one or two security members that go down to a planet, you know at least one of them's dead. Yeah. Like you can't you can't just pull random people down there and have them all survive. Yeah, at this point, I believe the security guards should form a union. Like, look, we are no longer going down with Kirk <laughs> <laughs> two at a time because one of us won't come back. Well, the thing is, though, they always they die because they're all dumb. Yes, for the most part, including uh, uh, police explain how this next guy dies. So I can do my rant after that real quick. Yeah. So at least he doesn't step on an exploding rock. So there's that. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's a. So one of the uh, Capellans, like, they, they beam down. Instead of beaming outside the radius of this camp and walking in, they just beam right to the fucking the middle? middle of the camp. Yeah. Which has got to be weird for people. Like, what if somebody's just walking there and you beam into them? So this was the first time I thought about um, why don't planets have, um, like, a allowed, like, a zone zone you can t- transport in. Like, if you've been there before, they'd be like, oh, here's the tra- this section's open to be like a transporter section where you can come here only. So it seems like they always land on planets they've been to before and they don't have a, like a suggested area to transport to. Like no landing strip. Yeah. It, yeah. In cases of like where they've already made first contact, yes, that sh- is probably a good idea. Like, and, and, even these guys are like no technology, but they could still like make a circle of stones and say, hey, don't go in that because like crazy space people are going to show up here every now and then. Especially so. when, they, you know, they've been here before and they realize they were a light and maybe they'll be, oh, if we come back again, maybe we should land outside and put up some kind of signal so they know it's us. Yeah, because for, for the really aggressive race, I'm surprised they didn't go through and just attack the, uh, the uh, captain and the crew immediately as soon as they landed. Yeah, you know, like because you're there initially, they're landing in the area, so it was it it's just it's a little weird thing, honestly. But I just and then of course you know the security guard does something dumb. Well, yeah. you have a good point so, there, yeah. Paul, because if someone just magically appeared in front of you, you're either going to be really scared or you're going to be like yeah. I'm going to punch it. Yeah, so yeah, so like and particularly the, with the race being so like battle centric. Ready. Yeah, yeah. I assume that if these these guys land, how I attack them immediately? Right? But oh, it's the captain and his friends. Like no, I don't. Like at the moment, you know, it feels like they're violating some kind of a uh, violate something by just landing in their house. So yeah, 
yeah. So, so yeah, they beam down into the the, the settlement here, and uh, one of the Capellans immediately like just walks up, like a whole group of them walk up to him, and uh, one guy's like all dressed, he's dressed differently. He's got like his black hat on, like he's uh like he's a nun. Like for some reason, I kept thinking like Sister Act. I thought he was gonna break <laughs> in the song. Right, I didn't think about that. <laughs> but he way. did not. That's funny. Uh, one of the uh, one of the Capellans orders them to halt, which they're not going anywhere, so that's not a big deal. And uh, another one, the guy who appears to be like the leader of the group, um, he just kind of steps forward, and Kirk's like, "Hey, yeah, I'm Kirk." And uh, McCoy says that they come with open hearts and hands because he's been there before and he knows their ways. Uh, so. A guy steps through the crowd, and the security offer, uh, officer, whose name is Grant, uh, he shouts that there's a Klingon, and he draws his phaser. And Kirk tries to stop him, but then the Capellan throws his Klegat, and it sticks in Grant's chest, and Grant dies, and we go to the show opening. Right after I just told you that they're very aggressive and don't do anything defensively, you see a Klingon, and automatically you pull out your weapon. I just explained to you that this is an aggressive race and you can't follow simple rules. I said that there and said it before that, hey guys, they're aggressive. Here's the rules. And the first thing you do is say, oh my God, a Klingon. And you pull your, your security thing out. Like, really? Like, well, I, yeah, I while, get, they, the, while they didn't explicitly show Kirk like informing them, you have to believe it. He told that guy, yes. hey, don't, you know, don't do anything. He, he, well, he definitely, you saw how cautious they were. It don't make any sense to me. Immediately? The, well, the Klingon was walking with them and he wasn't posing absolutely no thir- threat yeah yeah but I, I i i do get the initial reaction i just like i don't know like these securities they're very skittish they, they pull the guns out fast they, they don't do the job well like you have to remember though that security like i think we discussed this that they are all uh like new recruits like they're yeah. all new guys so, oh, yeah, okay yeah so we said that maybe they're just not able well, I think to the, the red shirts are yeah red shirts are like all new people Okay. So yeah, I mean, like that might have been his first duty was to come down here, and all he knows is like, yeah, I'm going into space. I'm gonna do some cool shit. Also, we don't like the the Klingons, yeah. and they don't like us. <laughs> yeah. So he's, but like, still, like situational awareness here, and probably you know he had to have been briefed. Yeah. I, I agree with you now. So like he 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 got himself killed. I fucking agree idiot. Um. But yeah. That that got underway really quickly. There's like we're on the planet. Oh look, a Klingon. Fuck, I'm dead. You know, it seems like to escalate <laughs> within like the first five minutes of the episode. Of yes. course. Yeah. So we come back from the show opening and the, we get a captain's log explaining that they're trying to get a mining agreement because the Capellans have an abundance of the rare mineral topoline. I think that's how they said it. Or topoline, topoline, something. Uh, which is used in the life support systems of planetoid colonies. And why the fuck do so many vital things use rare minerals or crystals? Like, they're, they're dilithium crystals that they need for the ship. They're like, yeah, those are pretty rare, pretty expensive. And now they're like, well, now we have a life support system that uses a mineral that we just can't fucking find. Well, then why did you build it to do that? Like, why wouldn't you have made another system that uses something more readily available? Yeah, if we, if we yeah, can't run our true. ships on salt water. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> I understand that. So, uh, the Klingon, who they never name. They just call him the Klingon the whole time, and it pisses me off because I really wish that this guy had a name. Uh, his name is Carr, just- K-A-A-R, but they say it's never spoken in this episode. I actually looked that up myself. Yeah, this Well, ha- I'm not calling him that because yeah. they didn't call him that. He's just the Klingon. Yeah, for the episode, <laughs> yeah, the episode they said they never – I actually saw the notes when I was looking up about the episode. They said they never said his name, but his name was Carr. They said, uh, said eventually they might say his name in a different episode. I said, oh, okay. But I just uh, – oh. I, I, right. I looked it up. Well, uh, the Klingon says that he is unaware of any war between his people and the Federation, and he asks if it's policy to kill Klingons on sight. 
And Kirk is just like, yeah, Grant was young and inexperienced. I'm sorry. I, maybe I should have brought a different guy. That's my bad. I'm an idiot. Um, so McCoy asks if uh, Ma'ab is his name. And all of their names, all of the Capellan people have like two A's or like two E's in the middle of the name. And they always separate them. So he's like Ma'ab instead of just Mob. Uh, one of the Capellans, that's him, Ma'ab. And uh, he knows that the Klingons are the Federation's sworn enemies uh, by their own words. So, or yep. McCoy asked that, whatever, you know, I got it. Uh, Ma'ab says that the Klingons offered things of value for their rocks and they have freely handed over their weapons and devices. And uh, Kirk's like, well, fuck, I want to call my ship, though. I I just kind of want to let them know what's going on. Uh, But the Klingon says that he's just going to call the Enterprise to have it uh, attack the village. And so Ma'ab asks them to hand over their weapons. And Kirk's like, okay, I guess I'll do that. And they they toss down their weapons and communicators. Instead of just handing them over, they just, like, throw them on the ground. (laughs) Yeah. Another thing about like, the Klingon, uh, is their costumes definitely got better better by the time they got to Worf. D- yeah. Didn't we already talk about this? Wasn't there like yeah. two the, the, like, the, I think the, I think this is the same the guy we had before. I swear it's the same. We saw we saw one, one episode of Klingon before. I thought it was the same actor. It could. I think. I think yeah, it was ones where they took over the the planet, right? Yeah, something like that. The uh, the like peaceful people that yeah. ended up being like a energy people or what, some shit. What do you yeah, think, we, Paul? Yeah. They all look alike. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they all look alike, sir. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the new. Uh, now yeah, I think the new. Like, I know what Lieutenant Worf looks like. So, like, <laughs> I know what Lieutenant Worf looks like. Yeah. So, I, I like the evolution of the Cleon uh, race, I think, is real cool to make it more unique. Because right now, this is like some guy with some with beard and whatever, with, with, with strange tradition. But I like how. Yeah, he's, he's future, just a dude. Yeah. Yeah. He's just a dude. Yeah. In the future, they got some. They're like an actual alien race to look different rather than looking uh, exactly like humans. So, a little later, uh, Kirk and McCoy and Spock, they're in a yurt, and uh, Kirk talks about how McCoy mentioned in his briefing that the Capellans are scrupulous and unusually honest, and Spock notes that they are also highly dangerous, which we know. We talked about this already. Uh, so, Kirk wants to know why one of his men is dead. He's like, why Why is one of my guys dead? Well, your, your, men, your, my, your man was kind of an idiot. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's like, well, they didn't... He didn't violate the Capellan customs, and he, we didn't lie to them. And McCoy explains that Grant was drawing a weapon on the Capellan's guests, and it's like you—you you were there, like you, you yeah, saw, that, saw the yeah, whole like thing, you could, like you know yeah, exactly you why. why. Yeah, the reason, yeah, that was a, a, a like a really dumb moment. Like, you, bro, you know why he got shot? Yeah. Like he got thrown that yeah. gun. Like you tried to stop him yeah. when you were there. Uh, so Kirk tries to say that Grant was just making a defensive move, and then he wonders why the Klingon is even there, and again. They they explain that they're trying to get same the, thing you're getting the rocks. Yes, like you you know this. You were yes. there. What, was he hanging out with Scotty before he went down? Because he seems to have some memory <laughs> loss here. <laughs> uh, maybe, but Scott's really the captain weird by the way again. Uh, Scott Scott's yes. the captain's episode too, so it was cool. Yeah, just some weird ass writing. That was clearly not a defensive move. He fucking drew he his weapon, laser yeah. on an unarmed man. Yeah, but I think <laughs> like, that they think that pulling a weapon out is not aggressive. I, they think if you pull it out in defense of yourself, but you know, but shoot, but actual shooting the weapon is the is the aggressive thing. So you put out the no. gun to protect yourself. Then they are idiots. If it, they believe that, they are idiots. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. <laughs> that they pull out the gun to protect themselves rather than use it. Like, oh, you can see the gun's right. gonna be scary. I'm assuming. Kirk ha- Kirk has a temporary case of like idiotitis or something. <laughs> He's just just fucking dumb as shit. Yeah. Right here. This this is a um, bad Kirk writing right now. It it really is. Yeah, it's terrible. But uh, Kirk is concerned that there might be a Klingon ship nearby, which I mean, I guess it makes sense if there is a Klingon, right? Uh, 
So we go back to the Enterprise and check off alerts Scotty to a ship that's at the edge of their sensors, and Sulu suggests that it might be a Klingon ship, and Scotty agrees. And he decides to wait a little bit before calling Kirk. Uh, they just want to see what it's, what it's going to do. So we go back to the planet, and Kirk is apologizing for the way that he talked to Bones earlier, and, and Spock notes that emotion is inefficient, which is like basically all he contributes to this episode. Exactly. And uh, Kirk says Same that it's also illogical. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so a woman comes in and offers them some food, and uh, Bones explains that they have shown friendship by handing over their weapons, and that uh, she's making a, a gesture in return. And Kirk's like, "Fuck yeah! Like now we're getting to the meat of this. Like give me this lady." The food actually looked good this time around. It wasn't some weird like cube Jello looking, you know, weird crap that they yeah, normally it have. Yeah, like some kind of like bread or something, or like pastries or something. The woman, uh, the woman actually plays Catwoman in the original uh, Batman series. Like the old oh, school no Adam shit, West really? one, yeah. I was like, yeah, she plays Catwoman, and of course she has lips on. Lips on. That's why she looks so tall. Was she? Was that before or after this series? I'm not sure. Is that the 70s or the 60s Batman? I don't. I don't know when that I Batman think, uh, aired. Adam I just West know that it's old. Like Adam, Adam West is probably before this. Oh, okay. I think Adam West is before no, this. Well, if it was like 66, is about the same time then. Yeah. So maybe maybe she's doing both. Maybe she just did both shows and did a guest episode for this one. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Catwoman goes to hand Kirk a piece of food, and uh, Kirk reaches for it, but uh, McCoy stops him, and he says that if Kirk touches it, then the woman's nearest male, male relative will have to kill him. <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah, uh, they're offering they're offering you a chance for combat because they find it more pleasurable than love." And Kirk's like, uh, "I don't know I, about I that. Just want to fuck? Yeah. <laughs> what what kind of bullshit custom uh, is that? You offer someone food, like I'm gonna kill you now, yeah, and then kill them if they take it. <laughs> Jesus." In most cultures, it's rude to not accept <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> well, I guess it's rude here to not accept it because they want to fight you. Makes sense. Okay. Um, so, yeah, this this guy just comes in and he just, like, stares at Kirk, just glares at him. And Spock's like, well, it appears the man thinks that Kirk is a disappointment. <laughs> he comes in he's just like, I'm just ready to kick some ass. Like, please touch that bread. Touch it. So, a little later, uh, the crew, they walk into a meeting room where uh, a man in a chair says that he is the T-ear. And his name is Akaar, and he's the leader of the Ten Tribes of Capella. And then some uh, pregnant woman, blonde pregnant lady, walks in, and she sits by him, and she's just, like, eyeballing Kirk, and he's just, like, eyeballing her because he loves all women. And uh, Akaar introduces her as Elien, which is his wife. And uh, Kirk introduces himself, and then he, you know, has some stuff to say about Grant dying. And Akaar believes that it was Grant's privilege to die for Kirk, since that's Kirk's man, and he's confused why Kirk is not okay with it. And Kirk's like, you know what? You're right, actually. Fuck him. He, he died with honor. It's a glorious <laughs> you know, he died with death. A, a weird, like, uh, ninja throwing star in his chest. Yes, he died with honor. <laughs> a, a, blunt, a blunt throwing star. It was like uh, the last Somehow time I, it was a chest. good, it was a good death. I, I like, I, honestly, like, uh, without a... Uh, Getting so deep into it, I really like Star Trek's appreciation of just making random cultures and random culture rules for for things we meet. You know, like yeah. every time we meet a race or whatever, like even though Kurt violates their culture, because I knew Kurt was going to mess up for this woman from the beginning. It's Kurt, but uh, I like how every time they come up with a race, like each race has their own cultures and their own and their own ways, and that's the big. A lot of times, that's the big issue between them is the culture clash. And I, I find yeah. that part, like, even though it's very similar or, or repeat or repeat of itself, a culture class clash, well, it's like a big part of life, too. 
where if we have moral different cultures and standards, every, every, everyday life we have we have clashes with other people. So I think it's real cool how they're like, even though no matter what's going on, it's always going to be like the small culture clash in there of where uh, we are, we just even though our, we both could be right, we just look at things differently. So when they they embrace death, we we fear death. So like I really I really like the the way they do the culture thing. So that's cool. R- really quick, what they do with Grant's body? Do you, do they bury it? Do they eat it? Do they just leave it there? We've never yeah, had they just it. left it as a reminder. We've never asked about what they do with the bodies when somebody dies here yet. We haven't we haven't seen them yet. Well, well, in like in the Galileo Seven, they buried the people on that planet. Okay, when they crashed the little shuttle, and that's the only time they ever acknowledged doing anything with bodies. Yeah, so I'm I'm wondering if they like you know we have still seen a funeral yet, right? I think we've seen a funeral yet still, so we don't know if they no, put no, them in space and put them into the sun or something or. I said, well, I'm, I'm curious. Most episodes would be dedicated to funerals if uh, we were always showing them. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just episode after episode of funerals. I'm talking about like Maybe a, there's... a major funeral, not like a regular person dying, you know, like a Commodore. Oh, so the, or like, the security guards yeah. aren't good enough to get a, a yeah, proper security, no, funeral. Like, no, not them. <laughs> Just throw them in the <laughs> dumpster. A, they're good. Yeah, they get a one-off. I was talking about somebody important, not the minions. Come on Maybe now. they're just like, fuck it, and they just hit him with the phaser and disintegrate him. <laughs> like, take care of everything. For a second, dude, I'm curious about that. I'm curious. Uh, that's the first thing I thought. I wonder if they put this, the thing on high and blast out the body goes and then gets rid of just all the... Uh, tree made them. The, uh, yeah, yeah. All the stuff, too. I, I was curious. Yeah, so uh, Ma'ab explains that Earth people customs are different from the Capellans, and then the Klingon's like, yeah, their customs are different from ours, too. And the Klingon says that the sight of death frightens the Earthlings. So McCoy steps forward, and he says that it's true that their customs are different, but that they don't hear the words of the Klingons because they are unimportant. And then the Capellans all laugh, and uh, McCoy goes and tells Kirk, he's like, yeah, I just called the Klingon a liar. Which is hilarious, and also I really like McCoy in this role oh. of like the the diplomat. Yeah, if you're a fan of Bones, you're eating good in this episode. Yeah, yeah, for real. So uh, Maab shames Akaar for laughing at their guest, and uh, Akaar says that the Earth people first bargain for their rocks, and uh, Maab believes that it's best to have two who bargain for the same goods. And Akaar gets a little bit upset, and he's like, well, I speak for the whole tribe, and uh, Ma'ab argues that he also speaks for many, and that he wants to let the, the Klingon speak. So the Klingon wants to know uh, what the Earth people have offered, and he says that, yeah, they've only offered, you know, powders and liquids for the sick, which they don't believe in medical, medical shit on that planet, so that's why he's making that point. And he says that the Klingons believe that only the strong should live, just like the Capellans. And uh, he says that the Earthmen have promised to teach the Capellan youth things like cleverness against enemies and the use of weapons. And uh, Elian agrees. And I don't understand why it's a bad thing, like, for a war culture. Like, why would they not want to be clever against enemies and the use of weapons? So this whole thing was a little bit I think it's about... So I I said said what you said just now, but I think it's about um, changing their culture. Because you got to remember, they probably only use that one weapon, that one thing they throw. I haven't seen any other type of weapon. So I'm 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 assuming that they like uh, might see a violation if they uh, teach them how to use phasers, use cleverness. With them, it's all about strength only. It's not about using the brain. So I think that if the if the charger um, <clears throat> comes in, doesn't use the brain while they're fighting. That's not, not what they do. It's all about who's the strongest, not who's the smartest. Well, then they don't even need a little, little throwy guys. Then they should just be fist fighting everything. I'm assuming. What, I mean, why not but have it's both? Have bronze and brain, or uh, yeah, you know. Yeah, you, I, I don't you, need you, you can be a, you can be a brawler and be smart about it. I, I know. Well, I know we 
we know you can, but not the way their culture is. It's all about strength and power, not about thinking being smart at all. Look, all they, they got to do is running around. Uh, show him a, a TV and like, here's John Wick, and they're like, all right, yeah. <laughs> this could be you. This could be you. This could be you <laughs> with with training. <laughs> if I was a, you're gonna make the one of the guys a John Wick? Are you kidding me? A guy that's yeah, a tall, seven foot, John a, a seven Wick. foot dude, Shaq <laughs> as John Wick. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Uh, so, uh, so Kirk says that they also offer the Federation laws, uh, the highest of which states that the Capellans' world would be their own and that it would always remain theirs. And he says that the Klingon Empire is made of conquered worlds because they take what they want by force. And you would think that the Capellans would be like, that sounds good. Like, let them try that. We like to fight them. If that was true, though, why is there a Klingon trying to do diplomacy, though? Right. Because Kirk's wrong. That, that seems kind of like a lie from Kirk, right? Yeah. I mean, they do do that. Like, we've seen that. They do take well, things yeah. by force. But here, they're actually trying to use diplomacy. Yeah, diplomacy to get their way in. They come in there and wipe them out, I'm assuming. I assume they oh, use so diplomacy you, to get you, in there. You think it's a Trojan horse. Like, oh, hey, we'll get them on it. Our- it's just the clowns. <laughs> and they come in there. Oh, yeah, we cool. We friendly. Come in there. Think everything's all good. Next thing you know, they can kill everybody and take over everything. Well, I mean, we do see a little bit later that the Klingon and Maabs have some sort of arrangement that they have not, that they never actually go into detail about what it is. So I'm assuming that, like, you know, maybe Maab takes over, gives the Klingons the rights to the mining shit, or they come in and just take the mining shit. So maybe it's just like he's just made this deal, you know, so his people can continue to live because he knows they're going to get, you know, absolutely wrecked by Klingons. Yep. But, I don't know, uh, Maab thinks that all of the arguing is really good. He's like, this is great, I love this. And Akaar says that the Earthmen have uh, dis- different customs, but they've never lied to the Capellans. And Maab says that uh, there are those that will not bargain with the Earthmen. So Akaar asks Maab, uh, he's like, hey, are you going to fight me about this? And Maab says, well, you know, that's really your choice. And then uh, he and his Klingon, they leave. So uh, Kirk asks Akaar for his communicator so he can see if there's a Klingon ship nearby, but Akar just says that the sky does not interest him, and uh, he must consider Kirk's words. So we go back to the Enterprise, and Chekhov notes that the ship that they were tracking is now gone, and Uhura says that she's getting a call from a vessel, but it's too faint for her to make out, and she says it sounds like a distress signal from an Earth vessel. And so we go back to the planet, and we have another cut to just a fight, (laughs) just like the last episode where they were fighting in a hallway. Now they're just... Fighting it out in the camp. I, I'm loving these cuts of just random fighting. <laughs> like, what's not going to show the lead up chaos. to it? We're just going to be in the middle of <laughs> yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, fuck it. Uh, yeah, Kirk, uh, he's beating up a Capellan guy, and Akaar stabs some people. And this is the first time that I've seen uh, a noticeable continuity error. Because in one shot, uh, Akaar is stabbing some guy that's, like, wearing blue. And then they cut away, and they come back, and the guy is now in, like, a red outfit. And it's clearly meant to be the same guy because they are in the same like pose that they were when it cut and came back. I, so I, I saw that in the no. beginning. He was accidentally stabbing one of his own people, and then they fixed it. <laughs> no, I saw that in a nut. I saw that in a note, and they made a mistake. I saw that in the notes. They said it's just it just, just blatantly did it without thinking about it, and did it and watched it and didn't realize it until later on. And the show was already episode was already done, so they noticed that. Yeah, I actually didn't catch it until I was going back to try to find a still for the uh, the cover for this episode. I, I didn't notice it the first time through. Oh, okay. Uh, but I definitely noticed it, you know, when I started skipping through to find a, a good screenshot. Um, but uh, the Klingon, he's searching a room, and Kirk and the, the others enter, and 
Kirk tells them to look for the weapons and communicators while the Klingon says that he has no quarrel with Kirk. But uh, he says he only wishes to return to his ship. But as he's saying that, he reaches for like a little short sword. And then he attacks Kirk. And Kirk just flips him over and takes his sword and uh, holds the sword to the Klingon's neck. And he demands that uh, he's like, hey, you know, what what type of vessel do you have and where is it at? And he snitches uh, immediately, people. He gives up the oh, information yeah. immediately. You soft. He even he tortures you yet. He didn't have to. You just give it all up. Like, don't don't get me started, Mister yeah. Klingon. But the, uh, the fight though was really cool. Like all the fighting was good this time. I don't know complaints about that. But the Klingon dude really gave the mission really fast. I I don't know why. I just I watched Next Generation before a long time ago. Not a lot of it, but I always imagine Klingon just like real strong warrior type mentality. So when he went and just gave the mission up that quick, I was kind of annoyed by that note. I don't know why. I just kind of annoyed me. Yeah, my only well, issue this one's was a coward. My only issue was the fight. Spock didn't do anything. He just stood there. No. Yeah, not a damn thing. Yeah, this episode's very, a lot of that, people were just there for no reason. Yes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Klingon says that he, it, he's he got a small scout ship out there, and then Ma'ab steps in and holds a sword to Kirk and demands that he releases the Klingon. Uh, so then a bunch of uh, like guards come in, and they hold Spock and McCoy in a different area, and uh, Ma'ab announces that Aka'ar is dead, and that he is the new Tier. So we didn't even get to see... Uh, like their head guy die. He's, yeah, he's just dead. He's dead. So uh, the Klingons like, hey, we should really, we should just kill Kirk. Uh, but Kirk tries to persuade Mob to make the right decisions for his people. He's like, hey, you're the new leader. Like, you need to do the right thing for these people. And the Klingon asks if the new leader of the ten tribes is afraid. And he's like, I'll just kill Kirk myself. So Kirk suggests that, hey, maybe he and the Klingon can have a fight for the Capellan's amusement. And uh. Ma'ab says that, he's like, well, maybe I do need to start looking at things in a different way for my people. You know, five, five seconds that, of being a leader, he's like, you know what? It's time to have yeah. different outlooks. <laughs> it changes a man, you know? You know? Maybe, I could, maybe I could use his power for something else. Yeah. Yeah, he's quick. got new responsibility. Yeah. He, he, he grew uh, a he lot in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> he says he's starting to like Kirk and that uh, he saw fear in the Klingon's eyes. And the Klingon argues that uh, they had an agreement. But Ma'ab says that, that too may change. So he has altered the deal and he needs to pray that he does not alter it any further. Star Wars for you guys. I don't know. Just, I'm getting nothing. <laughs> oh, no. See what I'm saying? References over here. I have no idea what's going on. Uh, so uh, on the Enterprise, Uhura finds that the signal was from the SS Deirdre and Scotty's like, oh, that's a freighter ship because he just apparently has knowledge of all ships and their names. And Uhura says that they are uh, reporting that they're under attack and that they're running from their attackers and that they're being attacked by a Klingon vessel. So Scotty orders Uhuru to contact Kirk, but she cannot do that because they don't have their communicators. So back on the planet, uh, they're just chilling in a yurt, and they got a little fire pit. Like, everybody's just hanging out. And uh, uh, L.E.N. enters, and she's just, like, kind of walking by, and, and Mob just is like a like a middle school bully and just, like, trips her with her with his sword, <laughs> and she just falls and, like, puts her hand in the fire. Like, I don't know what the fuck this is about. <laughs> It's just like it's such a bully move. Like it's not even a bad guy move. It's just like it's a bully move. And uh, Kirk goes to help her up, but Spock's like, "Hey, you can't do that." And so uh, Maab says that uh, she carries a child that would be Tear, and uh, she's like, "Okay, well that's cool. I'm ready to die. So fuck it." And uh, the Maab goes to execute her. Yeah, uh, Maab goes to execute her, but Kirk pulls her away and just starts fighting everybody. And then Spock gets knocked out for like the first time. And uh, they lose the fight. So, Which uh, is, it's just very, very, uh, like, I like this part or whatever, but it's so predictable because I know Kirk, sh- yo, man, stop messing with other people's customs. 
Yeah, and she's cool with it. Yeah, it's just like we have to do a we have to do an episode where we don't watch an episode and we just read the prime directives of Star Trek up things and and let's discuss <laughs> the violations that we just seen as we're watching the first two seasons because I I want to know like I want to know the exact directive word for word and I want to know what we're violating because I feel like Kurt is just out here playing God with other people's cultures and he's I think he's, the prime directives he's been violating so one time we need to find out what exactly what they are word for look, word Kirk is a sucker for a pretty lady like look we can't sa- yes. we can't sacrifice a you know a pretty lady I, I, how many times have we seen him ruin cultures for some for a female let's be real here. Destroy well, well, here's the thing, though. This one is pregnant, and that's a whole different <laughs> kink for him. <laughs> <laughs> and she's tall, too, though. This is like the... Ex- yeah, she's, she's taller than him. She's blonde. She's a warrior culture. She's pregnant. He's all about it. <laughs> he's like, damn, that is everything, everything want, I want. I've been looking for. That's the whole reason he was, he's even in space, is to find this. <laughs> he finally found it. So uh, Ma'av goes on to say that no man can touch the wife of a tear, which is she the wife of a tear anymore? Because the original tear is dead and he's not her wife. So, I mean, on a technicality, Kirk's okay. Technically, Upon death, he inherits the wife. That could be, yeah. But they didn't say that. Uh, so Elian says that she was proud to uphold their laws and that she wants them to kill Kirk first. She's like, that son of a bitch touched me. I need to see him die. He laid a hand on me. Kill him. Oh, wow, lady. Uh, My bad. It would have been funny if Kirk just looked at her like, oh, I'll never help you again. (laughs) It only makes him more attracted to her. The fact that she wants him dead. She's playing hard to get. Yeah, Yeah. So back on the Enterprise, uh, they're still trying to reach Kirk and the others, and Chekhov picks up the distress signal, and so they play it, and uh, Sulu sets a course to intercept the Deidre, and Scotty orders him to take them out of orbit, so they're leaving the planet. Uh, Uhura protests, leaving Kirk, but... Oh, she had an issue with that uh, last week, which was all about... <laughs> yeah, that's what, that's what I have in my notes. Like, the last few episodes, she's like, fuck Kirk, and this time she's like, no, we can't leave Kirk. Like, all right? <laughs> uh but Scotty points out that they have a distress call from a Federation ship on her attack, and that's where his duties lie, so they have to go take care of that. Uh, then we get a commercial break. The first commercial break, actually, of the episode. Oh, really? Oh, um, yeah, it was like 15 minutes in. I was, <laughs> I was like, fuck, dude. Like, this is taking forever. Um, so Scotty gives a captain's log explaining their actions to try to save the freighter and his worry about his inability to reach the landing party. And we're back on the planet, and Spock notes that their check-in time is one hour and 12 minutes overdue, and they assume that since nobody was sent looking for them, something must have happened with a Klingon ship. So McCoy decides to try to fix Elian's arm, and he says that, uh, he's like, well, they can only kill me once for touching her, so I'm just gonna go ahead and take care of this. And Kirk's like, yeah, that's a really good idea. Touch her. And Spock's also like, yes, touch her. What, what, a, what a weird outlook. Like, they can only kill me once if I touch her, so, you know, yeah. what is that, in for violated. a penny, in for a pound? Yeah. yeah. I mean, he probably figures they're going to kill him anyway, so they can only kill you once. And that he knows of. Like, we've seen some shit, so they might bring him back and kill him again. <laughs> they're going to kill him, bring him back to life immediately. It could happen. So, uh, McCoy approaches uh, Elian to see her arm, and Kirk and Spock are just kind of like wandering around the, the room, definitely not up to anything suspicious. And uh, McCoy grabs her, and Kirk and Spock attack the two guards, and Kirk 
literally throws a pillow at a guy. Like hits <laughs> hits him in the head with a pillow, which was interesting because that guy reacted like it was a brick. It's like, oh no. Uh, so they they knock out the guards and they they take the guards' little short swords, and uh, which are really weird weapons for like a warrior tribe. These like flimsy little short swords that they have. I thought they would have like a you know a bastard sword or like a, a battle axe or something. No, they got these tiny little flimsy swords. Um, Kirk asks Elian if she's prepared to die, uh, or if she prefers to die since she is prepared to, and he offers to get her to the safety of the ship, and she's like, you know what? Actually, dying kind of sucks. I don't want to do that. Let's let's go ahead and, and not do that. So that she agrees to go change. with him. Yeah, didn't take any uh, any convincing at all. He's like, really? I thought I had this whole thing prepared. Like, you sure you don't want to refuse? Yeah, apparently, they just change your mind very quickly, you know, for the race. Like, yeah. oh, I, I've been in power for one minute. I see a different outlook. Oh, you offered me a different opportunity well, to live? All right, I don't want to die no more. Well, they're a warrior race, but they're they're still very open-minded. They're, they're always like, you know what, whatever, you know, whatever we're doing, we can always change that, except for the warrior part. Um, So outside, uh, Ma'ab and the Klingon are having a little conversation, and the Klingon wants his weapons back, but Ma'ab agrees to give them back when their business is done. And we go to the bridge of the Enterprise, and they've reached the last known position of the freighter, but they can't find anything. Uhura's not picking up any signals. They don't see any debris. Sulu says that they would be traveling at warp 2 maximum. And Scotty's like, well, I'm aware of its maximum speed. Like, hey, right, Dick. Like, there's no reason for him to be like that. Hey, he's coming down. Give him a break. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, on the planet, Kirk gives a captain's log as they walk around. And uh, they explain that they found their communicators before they left the camp, but not their phasers. So apparently they snuck out of the camp. They, we didn't get to see any of it. They found their communicators, didn't get their phasers, had a whole sneaking mission that we didn't get to see any part of. And then, like, it even went from nighttime to daytime. Yep. Um, so they're just, they, like, fled to the hills and they learned that uh, Eileen hates carrying the child that she has. <laughs> she's like, oh, she hates the child that she's carrying. <laughs> so that's but I a think, bit of weird information for a Yeah, but I think, now, I think it's weird that, like, this isn't that weird for us, but imagine like in the 1950s and six, like 60s when this came out, a woman not want to have a child was like a like more intense. So so maybe it probably they probably thought the episode was like real like real deep and intense or whatever. But for us, it doesn't have the same kind of thing about it. So I didn't I didn't find. Well, I just, her I just her think child. it was really weird ass information to throw into a captain's log and then like not mention again. Yeah, I just. <laughs> what purpose did that serve to this story? I have no idea. There's a lot of that going on. She hates her kid, um, and she loves blueberries. This whole episode was a lot of uh, extra uh, useless information, and at the same time, uh, important parts cut out. Combination of both. They put extra information that are useless while cutting out real small, important things that should be in here more. Yeah, I wanted to see the sneaking mission to get their communicators. Yeah, we're worth the captain log on that. Yeah. So uh, they look around for a place to hold off the eventual Capellan search party, and McCoy's having some missions with Elian, and uh, she doesn't want him to look at her arm still. So she eventually relents, and uh, he puts some stuff on her burns, and then uh, Kirk it spots eventually the search relents. party coming That's their not way. That's the conversation. They get eventually relent. He was like, yo, woman. No, no, hold on. We're... I thought, I thought, wait a minute, hold on, is that what you're at right now? Go ahead. Well, no, I think you're thinking of the part that's coming up here. Oh, okay. So Kirk spots the search party coming, uh, and Bones checks out Eileen's, or Elian's stomach. So he starts touching her stomach, and she just slaps the piss out of him. 
So he's like, all right. And he touches her stomach again. And she just slaps the shit out of him again. And then, he's, and then she smiles. And he's like, fuck it. And he just slaps her back. What is going on, guys? What is this? What is this episode at this moment? Oh, did she then do Yo, it? I'm going to put my hands on you anyway. Uh, I do what I want. Woman, do what you're told. What is going on yeah. here? And then Yo. he slaps the piss out of her. Dude, as, oh as soon as he God, slaps he her, she gave him that look like, all right, you're daddy bones now. <laughs> what is going uh, on here I am to done. me the hilarious part of this scene is not that he hit her back it's that after she slapped the piss out of him he went back for more <laughs> it's like yeah, yes please like give me seconds on that what is going it's on like she just hauled like, off and fucking slapped him like this this another scene, this scene does not belong in here. Like, like once again, it's, it's I mean, as entertaining as it is, it's probably the biggest laugh of the whole episode. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> what is going on here? That's wow. I just this, wow. This, no, this, this is some good. This shit. might be my favorite moment in Star Trek at this point. Because <laughs> like, I was not expecting Bones just to bitch slap her back. <laughs> no. Oh my god! And for her what to is like going it. On? I just I don't know he must have liked it too because he went back for seconds like he didn't give a shit I, I I I did I do understand his position but I wish he has like one of the guys that like came at him about it and then he was like oh it's the culture they have you have to be aggressive yada 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 if he had explained it as part of the culture to one of the guys I may have let it go but it happened and nobody said nothing you know, so like, if it's like, well, no oh, this culture, no one saw bone slapper. Yeah, so like, yeah, that, that's what I'm saying though. Like, if it's said it's part of the culture to be more aggressive and that this is the way they handle things, I could have been more accepting. But maybe just smack the. I mean, man. I mean, like as the viewer though, I think they've put out enough information that you could make that inference. Here. Yeah, yeah like, I made the inference. Under, yeah. Obviously, you understand. Yeah, I made. I, made like, I think the average yes, viewer just, yeah, understands that that's that's what's going on. Yeah, we um, hope so. Yeah. So. So he thinks that she could give birth at any time, and she's very impressed with McCoy's skills, and she starts to caress his hand. And then, like, McCoy's looking around, and he notices Spock watching, and <laughs> he pulls his hand away, and Spock's just like, well, goddamn, all right, go, buddy. Like, he gives him this look, like, all right. Like, in that moment, I'm like, you know, you know Spock's not much of a gossiper, but in that moment, like, you know he can't wait to tell Kirk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Spock was getting getting in on that. Uh, but Spock and Kirk, they go talk over their defensive position or their options, and uh, they decide to use their communicators to create a sonic disruption to ev- create a rock slide, which is the first we've heard of that. They're like, what can't those communicators do? They're basically weapons on their own. Yeah. Like, why even just combine them with a phaser? I understand uh, that. So there is a search party, and they are approaching, and Kirk and Spock ready their communicators, and then the, they start like emitting this high-pitched squealing noise, not Kirk and Spock, the communicators do, and uh, Mob and his party hear it, and they're like, What's that? what the fuck is that? <laughs> and uh, then like some rocks start rumbling, and then the, uh, the rock face just like explodes, and they just throw boulders everywhere, and it takes out some of the search party. It looked like it took out most of the search party, but it turns out they had like fucking 20 people with them. Yeah. Uh, but, but we go to a commercial break after that. So, uh, come back. Maab and the Klingon have survived the explosion as well as several of their guards. And, uh, the Klingon takes a phaser from one of the unconscious Capellans and then stabs him with his own sword, which is a dick move. Which I thought he was probably already dead because he got crushed by a rock. Yeah. But, you know, he's just making sure. Uh, 
So he catches up with Mob and and another guard, and they continue their search for uh, for Kirk and Spock and Bones and and Elian. And Kirk and McCoy, they discuss Elian and, and her situation basically. And McCoy's just like, "Yeah, I think I can handle this. Like, I, I got this under control. She can have a kid over here." <laughs> um, then we get a shot a little bit later, and Kirk's climbing some rocks. And then we get a shot of some Capellans climbing some rocks, and that's all it, those are. They're it's just very, rocks. That's what I'm saying. It's very, very like <laughs> I don't know. I don't get it. Well, at this point, weren't they? Wasn't he trying to help her up? And he's like, "No, only, only, only bones can touch me." Well, that's that's where we get to here. So, like after this weird shot of just random people climbing around, uh, which is I'm, I'm going to guess this was probably shot in California from the looks of it. But uh, Kirk meets up with his party, and then he explains, or he he tries to help uh, Elian climb. But this is where she's like, "No, you can't touch me. Only McCoy can. T- can not, not McCoy. Yeah. McCoy. McCoy. Uh, McCoy. So uh, they find a cave, well, and they're going to use that he, for some shelter. Bones is like asking Spock to help, and um. Spock goes to try to go touch her, and like, no, only McCoy can touch me. And he's like, "Damn it, I'm not an escalator. I'm a doctor." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, yeah, so McCoy, uh, he's like, "Hey, can you help? You know, get her in this cave." And Spock tries to help, and she's like, "No, only McCoy." Yeah, this is where he says, "I'm a doctor, not an escalator." And uh, she refuses Spock's help again, and she says that she will only allow McCoy's touch. No, but Bones uh, likes to fall back on that he's only a doctor. Yeah, 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 it's like the first the time they said it. Yeah, that's his tagline yeah. for the whole episode, uh, his whole career. Yeah, so he gonna say they a lot. They gotta sneak one in every couple episodes. Yeah. Um. So on the Enterprise, they're still searching for the freighter, but they can't find anything. Scotty asks Chekhov to replay the distress this distress call, and uh, they listen again. And Scotty notices that in the distress call, they called for the Enterprise by name instead of just sending out a general distress alert. And he's like, well, how would the freighter know that we were in this sector? And Sulu thinks that maybe it was a trap or a diversion to get them away from the planet. And Uhura's like, no, nah, I think it was a real signal. And Scotty's like, you know what? We're going to stay long enough to make sure. And then we're just going to we're going to keep on, you know, we're going to go back to what we were doing. Uh, which I really like Scotty in this role. And I, I don't have any issues with him being captain this time. I think he made all the right calls. Yep, I agree. Uhura, on the other hand, is like really weird the last like three episodes. Because first she's like... Like, fuck you, Kirk. We're going to leave you behind. Now she's like, oh, no, we can't leave Kirk behind. And I also, I think that here she would have agreed that it's probably a fake signal. Like, just given the situation. Like, they're just writing her like she's... Like, first of all, they're just like... She's really just back and forth on Kirk. And then here she's just kind of dumb. And I, I don't like what's happening to her. And I don't understand <laughs> why it's happening to yeah, her. She was a very solid character in the first yeah, they season. Don't, they don't think about character building a lot of times. They just think, like, what what and what, uh, what needs for the story. But sometimes that people violate their own personal character flaw, character flaws or characters uh, traits in some episodes instead of thinking about the character overall. Yeah, and she's she used to be like a major part of several episodes, and now she's just kind of relegated to a line here or there, which mostly like contradicts the way that she used to be. Yeah, I think we're gonna see more of them eventually. I think just right now we're in the. I think certain episodes is a bigger deal than other episodes, but. I think a lot, a lot of a lot few have been. We've noticed that uh, particularly when she hasn't been around more. So maybe in the future she might be around yeah. more. I mean, she went from like, hey, you know, I can repair this whole ass panel. It's been a little while, but I can do this, you know, extremely complicated work. To now she's like, I don't know. I think this signal might be real, despite all the evidence to the contrary. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't like it. Um, but we're in the cave, and they get Elian settled, and then uh, they make a light like. Kirk asks Spock for, he's like, hey, don't you have this little tablet thing? 
And uh, I forget exactly what it's called, but he's like, yeah. And then uh, Kirk smashes it on a rock and somehow it creates fire. I don't know, I don't know how that worked. I no assume idea. the tablet's on fire, not the rock, because that wouldn't make any sense. Um, McCoy goes to check on uh, Elian and Kirk asks him if he gave her a happy pill in order to, to be able to touch her. And McCoy's like, nope, just a right cross. <laughs> and Kirk's like, well, well, I've never seen that one in a medical book. And McCoy says that it's going to be in his book from now on. <laughs> uh, then we get a really weird scene that I didn't know how to type out because I don't fully understand exactly what was going on here. And Elian points out where the pain is. And uh, she's like, yeah, it hurts right here. And McCoy just makes this face like, oh, geez. And, and then, like, she makes some weird noise as we go outside the cave. But you can't tell if I can like, honestly, I'm not, I'm not trying to be a pervert here. I swear to God, I can't tell if that was a painful noise or a pleasurable noise. Like, I just maybe a little bit of both. Like, given the context of yeah, given the context of the scene, it seems like he went a little low. But I, yeah. I don't know. I just can't fucking tell. It's so weird. Oh. So uh, outside. uh, Spock notes, he's like, look, there's vegetation around. That means that there's got to be water nearby. And, uh. Then they just drop that conversation altogether and agree that they need to get some weapons. And so Kirk gets an idea, and then they just walk away for a little bit. They don't even go tell McCoy, like, hey, we're going to go do some shit. They just they just go do some shit. But we are back in the cave now, and McCoy is trying to convince Elian that uh, she wants the kid. He's like, you know, this is your kid. You should want this. And she says that in her culture, the husband gets the child. So, oh, yeah? That's just that's very yeah, interesting. Yeah, so they're definitely not in Ohio for this episode because the father actually has rights. I didn't say nothing, people. I'm sitting here very quietly. That's just interesting. Uh, so uh, McCoy, uh, he, like, he grabs her by the face and he's like, you know, hey, uh, do you really want my help? And she's like, yeah. And he says, well, you know, say the child is mine. And she's like, the child is yours. <laughs> he's like, no, 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 you got it wrong. <laughs> but she's like, no, the child is yours. And then, uh, and then the kid's just born like the easiest yeah, birth in the history out. of births. Yeah. Apparently. Yeah. It's over. Just, just fucking slides he, right hey, out. He's a damn good doctor. <laughs> yeah, dude did great. My issue um, with the with the kid prop though, it doesn't have any weight. You got to put fake weights inside there, so it's like you're actually <laughs> holding a little bit of weight. Like it looks like you're like carrying a piece of uh, foam because you guys were doing it. It just and then all the close ups are like close up to the baby, so you know they're like inserts by the B team. Well, you know that also that's not that's not a newborn child. <laughs> like I mean, and we still do that in cinema today. Like the kid comes out and it's already several months old somehow. Yeah, yeah, it's all cleaned up and you know. Is the Bell and Court? Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. It's yeah. it's not a pretty sight. Babies are not pretty when they're first born. Uh, except the, I think the Last of Us did it really well. Just I will say that. Oh, um, yeah. So uh, outside, uh, Kirk tries to call the Enterprise. Still has no luck. And he and Spock they fashion some bows and some arrows from uh, sticks and bark. They use some kind of bark for the string. And uh, they hear the baby crying, and Kirk notes that the Capellans never developed the bow, so it will be a big surprise for them. Like, how the fuck did they not... Well, I guess they don't really need the bow if they have their throwing thing. Their Klegat. Uh, so McCoy exits the cave, and he motions them inside. He's like, guys, come look look what I did. And inside, they see uh, Eliana sleeping, and Matro- McCoy tries to get Spock to hold the baby, but Spock's like, fuck no, like, I ain't doing Why that. Why would I touch that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, for real. And, uh... Elian is like McCoy, give give us give me our child, and Kirk's like uh, our child, huh? And McCoy's like, yeah, I'll, I'll just explain that one later. Uh, 
Um, back on the Enterprise, they still haven't found anything, and they decide it's time to go back to the planet. Uhura picks up a distress call from the USS Carolina, but Scotty's like, no, just we're going to ignore that. And she's like, well, listen, the Carolina is registered in this sector. And he says, you know what? We're still going to ignore it, and you can log it under my order and my responsibility. And uh, Sulu's like, well, what if that really is a real call? And Scotty says, you know, he gives the old fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, same shame on me. And uh, Chekhov's, he's like, hey, I know that that saying. It was invented in Russia. And they all just kind of have a little smile, and, and we move on from that. <laughs> Scott, Scott, Scotty's doing a good job as captain. He is. I really like him. And it, it's it's weird because, like, one of the important things for me is when he's sitting in the chair and he does the little captain's lean on the side. Like, he looks right. He looks okay. Like, we've had people, like, I've seen people sit in the chair that don't look right. But Scotty seems he, like he'd be okay in that chair. He fits the role. It's all, it's all about how you sit in it. <laughs> and then also, um, we always, is Scotty's job chief engineer? That's what it is, right? I think so, yes. Okay. Yeah. So back on the planet, McCoy is sleeping near Elian, and she wakes up and just knocks him out with a rock, and then she, she sneaks away. Which I felt so, it was unnecessary because he's already out anyway, so she didn't really have to knock yeah. him yeah, out. He's already sleeping, and she, she could just got up and left. I mean, and he got I, clonked. I like she's seven that, foot tall. He got clonked maybe, hard, so, you know. Well, in, in fairness, maybe that's how they say goodbye, is that they just hit each other with rocks. <laughs> <laughs> just hit him with a rock, yeah. I love you. Um, I feel like... This thing, though, I feel like the rock thing is kind of important because it makes me feel like the whole slap thing and how she smiled at him and then, like, got all close to him was just a ploy. Like, I feel mm. like she was doing that to get him comfortable so that she could, you know, betray him and, and sneak away. Okay. Like, that's that's what I feel like was going on there. And they never explicitly said it, but why would she, you know, be all, like, coming on to McCoy and, like, yeah, you know, he's great and that's our kid and then do that. So I feel like the whole time she was just setting him up to to do this. Um, but either way, uh, Kirk and Spock, they are keeping watch on some rocks with their bows and McCoy recovers and calls out to them. He, like his head doesn't hurt, no headache, no blood or anything. He's just got a hard ass fucking head. And he also left that baby in a cave. Um, but he explains that Elian ran off and Spock thinks that she's running towards the search party. So they decide to go have a look. But, uh, Kirk makes McCoy stay behind and take care of the baby. Cause McCoy's like, yeah, I'm going to come with you guys. And Kirk's like. There's there's a fucking newborn baby in a cave. McCoy, like, yeah. what are you doing? You can't just leave that. He's, he's like, hey, my fucking kid. Yeah. <laughs> That's not what she said. Yeah. Uh, on the Enterprise, they are 31 minutes from the planet, and Chekhov informs Scotty that there's a vessel cutting across their path. So he thinks that uh, it's the Klingon warship. So Scotty has everyone go to their battle stations. And uh, I noticed at this point uh, where Sulu is at his station, there's this little screen that, like, folds up. And mm. I haven't seen that happen before when they go to, like, Red Alert. It's this kind of little mechanical, like, pneumatic screen that just, like, pops up and folds out. And that thing was really fucking awesome. But, yeah, I don't uh, think I announced that either. Yes, yeah, so we got a commercial break. Uh, back from the break, Uhura is trying to hail the Klingon ship. And Sulu puts them on their screen so they can watch. And it just kind of is sitting there doing nothing. So Scotty tries to contact them, but they, you know, they don't respond. And he decides, he's like, all right, uh, let's test them. We're going to see if they're willing to fight us. And that's when I really was like, damn, like, I really like Captain Scotty. <laughs> he's just a badass. But my biggest issue with the episode is there's one great story here and one dumb story. The great story is the Scotty part. And the dumb story is the thing on the planet. Yeah. And, and I wish that we had spent more time with Scotty as the captain or something like that, as part of the big episode, rather than even knowing about the planet stuff. 
or or maybe if we heard about the planet stuff through communications rather than seeing it. Like I think the be- the best story here was a Scotty story. I think we'd have stuck on Scotty the whole time being the captain and and them and them just uh, talking about what's going on at the planet without really seeing it. I think that'd been much better. Yeah, I would be interested to see an episode where like maybe Kirk is off doing something and something happens and like then we spend basically the entire episode on the Enterprise with no Kirk. That's what that's pretty much for this episode here. Yeah, literally just what happened just happens. Except since there's no communication between the ship and the and the thing, we're uh, the ship's reacting to the fact that we can't get a hold of Kirk and there's, there's a Klingon threat going on. You know, yeah. rather than. No one was going on the planet at all, and because this, this whole planet thing can be told in, in, in the story in about a couple sentences from Kurt when he get back up there. Like, oh my God, what happened? Oh, right. we'll validate this happened. Like they could tell him a couple, a little small story to sum up this whole story right here. So like, I don't know. I just think like this whole story is a waste of time. Even though the char- even though the costumes they're wearing are unique and it's kind of fun down here, I think this whole side of the story on the planet was just useless. And I would rather have the whole episode with Scotty. I don't know. I, I'm enjoying yeah. the stuff the stuff that's going on, on the planet. I, I, I think it's badly written. It's badly written. It's badly edited. It's badly put together. That's why I know. Like I said, the story part isn't the issue. It's how, how put together. It's really bad. I'll save my thoughts for that towards the end. Okay. We're actually almost there. My, my, my bad. Uh, but we go back to the planet. No, you're fine. Uh, we go back to the planet and uh, the search party. They're walking down a little hill towards a hidden uh, Spock and Kirk. And Maab sends a scout towards the cave entrance. And you can tell he spots Kirk because spots a fucking big ass head sticking up from behind this rock. And uh, he goes back and he relays their position to Ma'ab. So the Klingon and Ma'ab agree that Kirk and the others have to die. And then they spot Eliane approaching and she tells Ma'ab that the child is dead. So he asks about the Earthmen and she says that she killed them in their sleep. But we know that's not true because they literally just saw Kirk's big ass head sticking up. So uh, they have a quick little, uh, oh wait, this is where, uh, yeah. So the Klingon wants her to prove it. And, uh, and go show them. But she kind of deflects and she says that she's the wife of a tear and that she's going to go die in her tent. And Ma'ab's like, yeah, that's her right. She can go do that. And they start to leave. But the Klingon starts running towards the cave. So uh, Kirk pops out, shoots him in the knee with an arrow, and uh, he drops his phaser. And uh, they have a quick little battle where the Capellans miss a few of their Klingat throws. And uh, Kirk and Spock kill a couple of them with their really shitty bow and arrows. And not, not a great warrior culture. At this point, <laughs> just kinda, I mean, I guess they do have the high ground up there, but still, I mean, like, they, well, it's they, still good to have the high the ground. But hey, if they had strategy that they could get from the Federation, it'd be they would be better warriors. Yeah, idiots. Um, so uh, Elian tries to go get the Klingon's phaser that he dropped, but he gets to it first, and then he uh, shoots at Spock, and he makes like some rocks explode. And Kirk is all worried that Spock's dead, but Spock's fine. It's not a big like, deal. I'm over he here, Spock. Yeah, and uh. They try to call the Enterprise. They get no answer still. Uh, Ma'ab sends one of his men after the Klingon, but the Klingon just disintegrates him with the phaser. And uh, Kirk is talking to Spock, and he's like, what, we have to kill the Klingon. Like, we, like this guy has to go. And Spock's like, well, is there, are you doing this for revenge? And Kirk's like, sure, why not? Like, fuck it. <laughs> we'll go we'll call it revenge. Uh, so the Klingon then threatens to kill all the Capellans. And Kirk uh, calls to him as a distraction so Eileen can get away. And then uh, she tries to go and rally the Capellans to fight. She's like, come on, we got to fight this guy. But they seem pretty uninterested for some reason. (laughs) Uh, So Ma'ab decides that he's going to forfeit his life. And uh, he's going to go ahead and allow her to live. He's going to, like, forgive her transgressions. 
And uh, he and one of his men step forward to challenge the Klingon, but the Klingon just shoots Ma'ab and disintegrates him. Uh, but the other guy that was with him hits him in the chest with a Klegat thing. And an awesome. Why, why wouldn't why wouldn't one of the guys be like, "Hey, I'll take the shot. You kill the guy. Like you're the leader. Like why <laughs> why he, why would we do that? He's a good leader, and he's leading by example by sacrificing himself. Maybe only oh, maybe uh, only the leader can sacrifice their life for somebody else. Maybe the mob is that what call it? The leader's mob. Maybe the Allah mob's only person didn't get the person back their life. Therefore, he had to die, or she didn't get her life back. Or maybe it's just very terribly written. And they Listen, to kill I'm trying guy. to give him credit this <laughs> time for that part. I, I, I ripped everything else up. I can't. Ri- I can't rip that up too. <laughs> like, so uh, Kirk and Spock, they come down from their cover and uh, they approach the Capellans and uh, Scotty and a group of security shows up and they massacre all of them. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it seems like they would though. <laughs> uh, McCoy emerges and he or emerges and he gives uh, Elien her baby. And uh, Scotty explains to Kirk that the Klingon ship chose not to fight, so they just managed to make it in time. And Kirk's like, Klingon ship? What are you, what are you talking about? I don't remember any of that. But uh, I w- actually, I wish we would have seen something with a Klingon ship. It's just another one of those things that they left out that they should have not have. Yeah. So, but anyway, we uh, we go to McCoy, and he's showing Elian how to hold her baby. And uh, he goes to the baby, and he says, Oochie Woochie Coochie Coo. <laughs> and... Uh, I don't know anybody that's ever talked to a baby like that, like ever. I do. <laughs> Who the fuck does that? I, 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 I do. I, I've seen it before. McCoy's such a fucking weird ass guy. I, I, I hated it. But, that's who did that all the time. And I'm like, I thought the kids always <laughs> normal. That way, I don't, I don't like coochie coo. Like, I thought them very normal. <laughs> coochie coo. I've never said that to my son. And now I'm going to when not, I get done. Because you're here. a guy. None of us guys have said it at all. But the female McCoy said it. A lot He's of a guy. They out there. Doctor, trust me. So, see the grandma. Coochie coo. Like, see the grandma. It's fucking weird. There. Well, Spock's reaction is probably like, uh, "Coochie coo. What's that?" Yeah, I. That's what I really enjoyed about it is Spock being like really curious. He's like, "What is McCoy saying?" And he's just like, "Oochie woochie coochie coo." <laughs> just hearing Spock say it all serious is. Fantastic. There's a lot of explaining uh, but, going on when they get back to the Enterprise. <laughs> uh, yeah. The, the, the briefing is going to be a very fun one. Yeah. His his uh, his report. <laughs> like Star, Starfleet's going to be reading this like, what the fuck are we doing with these guys? <laughs> Bring them back. Um, but uh, yeah, Kirk just tells Spock to consult linguistics with that one. And Spock notes that it'll be interesting when they try to explain that Elian's child is actually Dr. McCoy's. And uh, Scotty's really confused about that. And Kirk's like, you know what? We're, we're just going to skip it. We'll, I'm going to go over that maybe <laughs> later. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, they, they kind of cut away as McCoy continues to talk like an idiot. So a little bit later on the bridge, Kirk tells Uhura to inform Starfleet that they've secured the mining rights uh, by treaty. And that it was signed by the High Chief's Regent Elian. So her son is in charge now. And uh, McCoy says that the child's name is Leonard James Akaar. And Spock's like, Leonard James Akaar? And Kirk <laughs> and McCoy agree that it's a, a really good name. And Spock's like, look, you guys are going to be insufferably pleased about this for several months. And then they just go on to the next episode. Uh, yeah, uh, so Paul, that I feel like kid, you got something you want to say about this. Uh, so that kid or whatever, um, if I read my search right he exists in other star trek things oh so like he's a well, yeah. at least he got to come back yeah but not in like this one i think like in like the older episodes or whatever he's like uh like i think this is like d space nines 
these first nine or whatever, like he's still alive. He's like a leader of a culture or something like that. Or like, so I believe that oh. they, they, they live a long time or whatever. And he's a he, he becomes a leader of of whatever the the people the Capella people are. So I'm assuming we're gonna see them again. I thought in the you future. meant like the actual child, like that they brought him back later for no, other no, no, episodes no, 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 no. and stuff. I'm saying the, <laughs> so the, the character, character goes yeah, on. Okay, Leonard, Leonard James uh, Akar. Whatever. Huh. Akar, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Paul, you want to give us your thoughts on this one? You know, it was um, it was an episode. Uh, <laughs> yes, it was. I, I watched it. It was a show we watched. Uh, it was an episode I watched. It was, um, you know, it left a lot to be desired. It's a little disappointing after they've been hitting on all turns, whatever. But I think what this thing really needed was a part one and a part two. It needed part, like part one to be like whatever with the with the ship itself or part two being with, whatever happened on the planet afterwards. Like something, they had to separate the two stories because I thought they were put together very poorly. It was written bad. It was edited bad. It was just, it was put together pretty crappy. So overall, this episode out of 10, I give it about, I mean, I had to be nice though, you know, a three maybe. You don't like, have to. Maybe a three. I just, the 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 highlights for the whole episode were Scotty up, up on the ship. I was That was real good. And then um, I liked the costumes of everybody in, in the show. And that was cool. Besides that, a lot of it was like, oh, and they get one extra point for uh, for uh, uh, Doc Bones uh, smacking the lady. I said, besides those things right there, <laughs> <laughs> like we were talking, this, this episode, was, it was a waste of time. And I just, uh, you know, eh. <sighs> wish there was yeah. more. Wish it was um, better. I uh, I didn't think it was like terrible, but it's their writing for this one was definitely off. And um I don't know. It felt like one of those ones that they were kind of making up as they went along because there was a lot of shit that was just left out. Uh, I Yeah, I feel like they could have separated out the uh, the planet and ship stuff and maybe made a couple of episodes out of that. Like I liked I liked the civilization. I liked the idea behind the people um, and like just kind of their culture and all that stuff. But yeah, it was just there was a lot of stuff thrown into this that they really should have picked something and focused on just that. Um wasn't like the worst episode I've seen so far, but it's far from the best. It was just kind of one of those ones that I'll probably forget that we even watched by like the end of next week. Like I, yeah. this won't come up in discussion again for me, I'm sure. Um, yeah, a couple of good moments. Um, uh, the writing for Uhura is still really weird. I don't understand why and I don't like it because I really enjoyed her character in the first se- uh, season. And I'm not so much enjoying her character now. Um, yeah, it was just, yeah, for me, it was it was just okay. Uh, Dan? You know, this episode, was it perfect? No. But I, I saw it was a fun episode. There was a lot of good stuff in it. Uh, I, it there was some a little bit of bad writing, like with Sahora and Kirk in the beginning, like being all upset, like, hey, why is my man dead? What, what happened to him? I mean, th- that was bad writing, but I don't know. There was, a, there was a lot of good action. You got to see, you know, some culture dialogue of them acknowledging like hey our cultures are different and we're trying to feel each other out so i didn't think it was too terrible i'd give it almost a seven out of ten almost so like a six like a six, <laughs> if it's almost a seven. like a six point eight <laughs> okay I, 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 good I, decibels now I had fun, yeah i had fun watching the episode yeah I it, just, it was a good it was a good gonna, bones oh, episode i have fun i don't get how you get yes, fun out of yes that. it was like I, I thought, I thought I had to force myself to get through it. Like I'm like, I just want if we're gonna write 
Kirk like an idiot now and then. I want it to be a constant. Like, I want them to have gone through this whole episode, and then they get back there, and they're discussing it, and Kirk's like, wait, what happened now? Wait, <laughs> McCoy has a baby? We yeah. did what now? Like, just, just being completely fucking clueless idiot. Like, let him lean all the way into it or don't do it at all. Well, see, that would make sense for Bones now because he got hit over the head with the rock. But, you know, Kirk doesn't have yes. an excuse. Yeah, no concussion or anything. You, people get knocked out in this series with absolutely no repercussions at all. <laughs> Nobody ever no, has head injuries. Has no like, head, there's no head, head trauma. trauma. <laughs> yeah. They've solved head trauma in the future. <laughs> Apparently. Thank God. You just get an injection into your skull that insulates your brain. Um. Yeah, that's that's it for me. Unless you guys have anything else, uh, then we're going to move on. And next time we record, I can't specifically say next week because we're getting you know railed by overtime. So we'll see how recording goes or what our schedule looks like. But the next one that we do will be season two, episode twelve, the deadly years. And the screenshot for this looks good, so I'm I'm ready to hear this. A landing party, including the command staff, is infected with a disease that causes rapid aging and serenity. Serenity? Oh, serenity. Well, S- no, I don't want to. I don't know. Wait, rapid aging and it says serenity. S-E-N-I-L-I-T-Y. Oh, I can't say that. Oh, right, are are they, meet, they're going senile. Are we going to meet the crew from oh, uh, Firefly? Oh, oh rapid aging and, be, and people going senile. Okay. Yep. You know, we get that Sna- joke, Firefly, that? Serenity, the movie. Nothing? No, 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 no. no. Oh, def- get out of here. It's definitely serenity. Serenity. Whatever. People are losing their mind, apparently. So... I didn't understand a word myself, Senility? but uh, yeah. So there, yeah, there's gonna be crotchety, angry old people. <laughs> yeah. that, okay, I'm looking forward to that. I want to see old Kirk, old put, Kirk. try to put the moves on people. Yeah, I was a captain once, you know. <laughs> um, I piloted Enterprise back in my good in the old days. <laughs> yeah, rapid aging. Why, why did it say rapid aging and memory loss instead of that dumb word? I did not like that word. Senile, senile. Oh, it's weird. I can't even say it. <laughs> All right. Well, with that one, uh, yeah, we're going to call it here, and I will catch everybody on the next episode. Hey, guys, once again, uh, we appreciate you guys uh, listening to us. Uh, for you guys that can make through first two episodes, we appreciate it. We know we got better and better over the over the time and getting better and better. We appreciate you guys listening. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for being part of the, of the crew, and we appreciate you. And I'll see you guys later. Later. <laughs>